1: hey what's going on welcome to the raptors Reasonables podcast i'm your host Blake murphy joining me on the line big afro accompanying him eric cream what's up man uh it's a pretty big week for me um passover passover
2: yes interrupted by drake fire alarms going off while i'm trying to ask masai ujiri a question as he's throwing me shade about my hair
1: uh but you know life carries on uh how are you yeah i'm all right i mean i've i've minimized the amount i'm asking questions on zoom because most of the time at this point i'm in a tank top crushing beers because this team is so depressing um (laughs) you know it's real piece of garbage hours over here I, uh, I just looked, I, I was, I have a hat on, um, even though I'm just sitting at my desk, and I've come to the realization this week that despite playing hockey my entire life, I only now for the first time ever have hockey hair where, like, it's curling out from underneath my hat.
2: Oh, I've got so a lot uh, of that going on, yeah.
1: Yeah, we're going to do a lot of reader questions today, or, or listener questions, I guess. And yeah. Bruce Arthur doesn't listen to this podcast, but he asked for an affirmative. Yeah,
2: I, I, did, I did see that. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to it when we get to it. Do you it. want to give him uh, one? No, just uh, do yeah. it right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's still going on. Um, it, it, there's a lot of it, a lot of hair. I did shave, yes, not completely shave, but I, you know, set the razor to stubble, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, after the game last night, I sort of went full Will Ferrell from Zoolander and and parted uh, parted my hair. Uh, Mugatu, I believe his name was in Zoolander, uh, and so like it was like froey at the sides, but then like thin at the uh, you know in the middle at the top. It was bad, uh, but it got my wife to laugh. So you know, it the things bad. we the things we do for matrimony.
1: I have no idea about that, Eric. It's uh, We are 13 months into a pandemic, and not only is it real piece of garbage hours over here, uh, you know, you have the benefit of living with your lovely wife and cat and dog. Uh, some of us are going crazy <laughs> because we don't get to see people because or interact most, with anyone. Yeah, most of our interaction is uh, our Twitter replies. Is that is
2: that is that a bad thing? Yes.
1: Yes, I feel like, I mean, look, of all the seasons for the Raptors to be bad and have bad luck and kind of punt it, you know, the one where they're not in Toronto makes the most sense. However, for our mental health and the mental health of the fan base online, uh, I think it's the worst possible time because no one has anything to do except for watch sports and complain on Twitter and everyone's losing it like i saw i saw people this is not about the raptors um and wrestlemania reasonableists is still a little further away but i saw did you see that orange cassidy is now coming out to pixies like aew yeah i did i did
2: the, hear about that yeah where's my mind
1: yeah, and it's an awesome song and an awesome choice. And I saw wrestling fans complaining online that it doesn't have high enough energy and like it doesn't make sense as an entrance song. But it's Orange Cassidy. That's the entire point of the guy is that there's no energy and pomp and stuff to it. Anyway, everyone's losing their minds, uh, especially around the Toronto Raptors because the Toronto Raptors are quite bad. They're 18 and 29 now. They've lost a million games in a row, or something like that. Um, going back to March, actually, this entire month. So uh, they beat the Houston Rockets on February 26th. In the time since then, they are one and twelve. And if you want to get down into the splits, they are zero and twelve. When there are men on the broadcast.
2: And I do. That uh, You know, Kyle Lowry did shout them out in that game, uh, the uh, all-women broadcast, broadcast, which was awesome. By the way, everybody did an awesome job, but we'd expect no less. They're very good at their jobs. Yeah, Megan Uh, McPeak
1: pointed out to me that the team hasn't won in a month except when Megan's on play-by-play.
2: Yeah, um, which I guess means they should maybe try calling somebody up from the Capital City Go-Go, who... I guess, don't exist right now. Well, they didn't play this um, year, yeah. Yeah. Uh, any whom, yeah, they're bad. What was the actual question?
1: Uh, there wasn't a question <laughs> yet. I was just... just. Yeah, oh, Kyle, at, Kyle up Lowry, up there. yeah.
2: Yeah, Kyle Lowry did say maybe uh, they brought us the luck and energy we needed. Um, so, I know they pay Matt Devlin good money, but for the good of the franchise... Well, we could get into what's for the good of the franchise later. I think there will probably be some questions that cover that.
1: Yeah, like, we're, we're going to be uh, re- listener question heavy on this one. Um, off the top, you know, as usual, the reminder that you can go to athletic.com slash we the six and uh, get a subscription to the written side of The Athletic for $1 a month right now. Or you can click off any of mine and Eric's articles. Uh, yes, we understand it's not the rosiest of time around the Raptors, but... We think we're doing okay work around that, Um, especially trade deadline stuff. You know, I did, I broke down the Powell for Trenton Hood trade and did a piece on where things stand cap-wise and roster-wise moving forward. I I did a little goodbye to Norrin Powell on the weekend. Um, Eric, you columned up about what the non- lowry trade means which we have a lot of questions about that we'll get into um and you also wrote off of Masai's availability so uh, again theathletic.com slash we the six or click off any of our articles as a refresher uh for the deadline the raptors did trade norman powell to the portland trailblazers for gary trent jr and Rodney Hood. They then traded Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas to Sacramento and Utah, respectively, for uh, 2021 second-round picks that project to fall in the 40s. Um, you know the norm for we we haven't done a podcast since the deadline, so so just to very refresh quickly, the the norm for Gary Trent and Rodney Hood trade. First of all, Rodney Hood has looked pretty good. Uh, he was only in that trade for salary cap matching purposes. Like, the, the Raptors will find some value in his 10900000 million non-guaranteed deal for next year, the same way they they gave Boucher and Baines and Bembry and Watson non-guaranteed deals for next year. Uh, it's some nice flexibility. But really, this was about norm for Trent. Trent and Norman Powell is the better player right now, but he's six years older than Gary Trent Jr. He's an unrestricted free agent where Gary Trent is a restricted free agent, and Norm figures to be uh, an order of magnitude more expensive over the next couple years. Uh, Also, Not to to
2: mention cap holds. Which is uh, what uh, I was going to say
1: next, yeah. um,
2: I just wanted people to know that I too know a thing about the CBA. Uh, Yeah, from from reading
1: all the great coverage at theathletic.com. Slash yeah. six, Yeah. Um So, yeah. I, I mean, the Davis and Thomas for seconds trades, people thought that that signaled the Raptors were clearing roster spots for a Kyle Lowry trade, and they may have been, but they also turned two guys who were out of the rotation and didn't figure into the future plans anymore into mid-seconds in what could be a pretty good draft. Um They didn't have a second for this year. They haven't had... You know i wrote about heading into the deadline that they've traded uh three firsts and six 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 seconds over the last four years um if you can turn two non-rotation pieces into some picks to restock that cupboard uh whether as trade assets or or whether to kind of restock the 905 and get that prospect pipeline going again um that's that's worthwhile And, and we know too that two picks in the 40s can generally move you up into the 30s so uh maybe you can uh you know, basically steal a, a second first round pick with or a late uh, early second or something like that. Um, anyway, nobody really cares about those deals. The big deal is norm for Gary Trent, which is, you know, again, it's it's about youth. It's about cost. It's about finding a guy who maybe has upside that can push the core a little higher. And it's about money unfortunately those things matter um but the bigger thing is the biggest thing from the trade deadline is that the Raptors didn't trade Kyle Lowry and you know we went into a lot of reasons for and against trading Kyle Lowry into the deadline and the issue that people seem to be having most you know there are some people who thought basically you should have traded him for anything at all which I don't really agree with Uh, but the one that I understand the frustration with a little bit more is you dealt Norman Powell in a future-oriented move Uh, You dealt two back-end rotation pieces in a future-oriented move, and then you kept Kyle Lowry. And and there's at least a little bit of incongruence there. Eric, where to to kind of put a cap on the deadline for us, um, how do you feel about the Raptors not trading Kyle Lowry, and how do you feel about them not trading Kyle Lowry and now having to play out the rest of the season in this kind of directional limbo? Um, Well, what you just mentioned, how you framed the totality of the
2: moves is sort of what I wrote, wrote about uh, off Messiah's press conference. Uh, Just, I I think people can sort of rightly uh, see it as a bit of a half measure uh, for all the breaking bad fans out there who love any time, any part of that show is referenced. Uh, And I get that, but I think as we discussed a lot, the Norm Powell, negotiations and the Kyle Lowry negotiations kind of exist in a vacuum from one another. They're they're not the same thing. Kyle Lowry's market was very specific, uh, was limited to teams who, you know, Kyle had to want to go to first of all, or have some interest in playing for, which I think is the right thing to do. Anybody calling for Masai Ujiri to be as cold as possible with Kyle Lowry, I mean, at some point you got to ask yourself, what's the point of watching sports if you're not going to care about these guys at all? Um, It was limited to teams that can cobble together $30 million to trade back to the Raptors most of which would probably, the Raptors would want to be expiring contracts, and it was limited to teams that had uh, pieces that were interesting to the Raptors. Uh, whereas Norm Powell, a lot easier to move, a lot simpler of a decision, and a lot more teams who could have theoretically a theoretical interest for him, not only for His talent right now, but his bird rights, which increasingly matter because I think of all the, you know, first of all, the class of 2021 free agency isn't going to be as good as we once thought. That's obvious. We remember all the guys who signed uh, extensions and so bird rights are going to matter a lot Uh, and it's going to allow a competitive team like Portland, who are in that situation, to go over the cap to... Uh, retain some top level talent and they're a team that wouldn't have been able to go out into the market and really do any damage. Uh, So I'm fine with sort of the dissonance between the moves they made and the move they didn't. Uh, But it's it's a complicated one, right? Like Kyle Lowry with you could see why they didn't make the Lakers trade, for example, if they weren't offering Horton Tucker. Uh, I, like, getting back KCP and, you know, expirings and what was – like, were they even offering a potential, like, any sort of piece with potential? I don't think so. Were no, reports. not
1: according to the reports that we have. Basically, the Lakers deal amounted to you're just doing you Kyle just Harry, get Marc Gasol, and LeBron a huge favor.
2: Yeah, and you just want to, be, and you'll be worse this year probably, except if you listen to some comment or some people on Twitter. Um, I mean, Schroeder's pretty your, good, so you might be neutral, But uh, anyway, yeah. uh, so if they did not throw in Horton Tucker, I don't make that trade. The Heat one becomes a bit more complicated if Duncan Robinson
1: was truly on the table. But then uh, who knows if that got pulled off the table anyway? Because the Rockets came in and gave them Victor Oladipo for free.
2: Yeah, well, that seems like it was always their backstop. Um, Which is hard
1: to negotiate against.
2: Yeah, and then that leaves Philly. Now, what do we know about the Philly offer? Not much. Uh, I I think, like, at the end of the day, if they really... We know they traded for George Hale, which may or may not have decreased the Philly offer. Uh, If there was a maxi and, you know, first-round-based offer in which you're not taking any more salary on... You know, I would have been probably com- at that point compelled to do it, even though it's not a hell of a return for for him. But you're also not without options uh, going forward with, with Lowry. It could just be a thing where you get a, a trade exception in a sign-and-trade in the off-season, or it could be a matter where you you re-sign him, and you, we can do this whole dance again next year. So I don't hate it. I understand the people who are like oh well what does this mean about the future where are they for right now there is a bit of uh you know even though i understand the dissonance like there is dissonance and it's difficult to navigate but i i really think you know long story very long story unfortunately story long story short Uh, you have to view the negotiations with Lowry as separate from the rest of what happened.
1: Which is fair. Um, And the other thing to consider with the Philly thing, too, is like, I mean, look, Daryl Morey's quote and Masai Jiri's quote seemed kind of directed at each other uh, a little bit. So I think there was maybe a disagreement on lowry's exact value to philly uh, especially when considering things like luxury tax and stuff um, but from talking to other philly writers the other thing too is that you know it's not like from the raptors perspective yes you're getting you know if it was maxi and a first i probably pulled the trigger on that but from philly's perspective to make the salary math work it's maxi and a first and danny green and one more player to make the math work and danny green's been pretty good of late and you know you look ahead to some of their playoff opponents, and maybe he's valuable. So I still think I think they're reg- they're going to regret not trading for Kyle Lowry, wh- whatever the deal framework was. But um, you can at least see how there could be a difference in opinion. Between Re- the reasonable two teams.
2: people can disagree.
1: Yeah, um, um, I do think in this case, reasonable Daryl Morey, a uh, big fan of yours, Eric Green, uh, is going to regret it. Like I I think I think Philly is the only team in the East that. Has a real chance, barring injury, to beat Brooklyn. And I think going only part way in when you have two stars kind of in the early part of their prime, one of whom's had a lot of injury trouble, you know, I I understand what Maury's saying about you want to maximize the total championship probability over a multi year window, but that's not how basketball works really. Like, Like, that doesn't factor in injuries and. You know, I'm more of the mind that once you hit a certain level, and this is Daryl Morey's thinking back to his five percent rule kind of yeah. thing. Like, like you want to maximize the one biggest um, peak on that kind of probability curve. So, uh, I think Philly will regret it a little bit. I think, you know, I think maybe Toronto will too if the sign and trade market ends up pretty empty and Lowry leaves for just a trade exception or, or whatever. Um, or but, nothing. Yeah, I mean, look, trade exceptions are, are useful. Um, but, yeah, look, the on the bright side, for those of you who wanted a full teardown, it does not look like Kyle Lowry or anyone else on the Raptors is going to prevent them from losing a lot of games. So uh, things are bad. They are 1-12 um, in this last 13-game stretch. They have one game left in March, and they could conceivably go 1-13. Uh, Producer Andrew said before we came on that he doesn't know if the Raptors can handle Poku. And uh, that's a real question. Shea's out. Uh, Lou Dort is probably out. Uh, Al Horford is is now sitting out. Uh, So it's not a very good Thunder team. But it's not a very good Raptors team. Uh, they this could potentially be the third worst month in franchise history. They have previously gone one and fourteen in November of nineteen ninety seven and one and fifteen in November of two thousand five. This would be a one and thirteen month.
0: Um,
1: however, they could salvage it with a two and twelve month. That would only be like the fourth worst month. So, uh, you know, huge, huge salvage potential here on Wednesday. Uh, I don't think we need to go too much into that one in 12 stretch. I think everyone's aware of what the issues are. Everyone's aware they don't have a center. Everyone's aware that they keep losing players to COVID and health and safety protocols. And Pascal Siakam lost 15 pounds. And the only two bench guys who were playing well are now unavailable to them. And uh, you know, Stanley Johnson and Utah and those guys just aren't sixth, seventh man caliber guys yet. You Um, leave Utah out of this. Look, I thought he looked fine yesterday, but.
2: He was he was actively useful yesterday yeah. in what must be called absolute flaming garbage time.
1: I don't know, man. Uh, Davidus Servetus didn't get the play, so it could have yeah. been that that garbage.
2: I mean, uh, and don't get me wrong; like nobody cares about this argument. Well, um, some people might. Like I think he should be in the rotation right now. Uh, yeah, I mean I, they, they only Emily have Johnson. eleven guys,
1: oh. and the Stanley Johnson experiment should be. Probably done. I like yeah. Stanley as a person. I like the story he's had this year, turning himself into a bit of a rotation player. But, like, it's too much. He's not He's not good. He's helped, like, stealth tank is not a thing. But if it were, Stanley Johnson continuing to play, like, 20 minutes a game would yeah.
2: be a If good you want to look at nut ratings game. on this team, on-off splits, like, his is basically where Aaron Baines is. Uh, and, I mean... Those have a, a large degree of well, who was healthy? while the good players were out, uh, but uh, yeah, he hasn't been good. And anytime he tries to create off the dribble, it usually ends spectacularly poorly. Uh, and and like these are decisions, as I wrote in my my story off the Pistons' loss. Like you have to sort of come to a conclusion about Utah uh, as he you know, at the end of a two-way contract. You want to see a bit more of what Jalen Harris can do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah,
1: Jalen Harris, who's hurt right now, by the way, but um, Um. right hip injury. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com
0: you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: Um, yeah, and that's the other thing. is like It's kind of frustrating from a... I mean, you know how fond I am of like tracking the development of guys in the 905 and stuff. And like when they were really shorthanded before Malachi Flynn was a part of those health and safety protocols. And now that they're really thin again, Paul Watson and Jalen Harris, two of the guys you might want to get a look at are both out also. So it's, uh, it's been frustrating. Um, okay. So the Raptors are now 18 to 29. They're still somehow, uh, 11th in the Eastern conference. They are two games out of a play in game. They are five and a half out of the six seed, which would avoid a play in game. And they are only... What have we got here? Uh, They are only seven games out of uh, the bottom of the league. And more meaningfully, two and a half games out of having top four lottery odds. So, um, all that is to say, you know, it's too early with with 25 or so games to go um, to be looking at that stuff too closely. But they are as close to being a true top of the lottery team as they are to being a play-in team. And they are as close to being bottom of the table as they are to avoiding the playing game altogether with a a playoff spot so um eric i guess before we get into the questions here just what is i don't want to be too nihilistic and ask what what is the point but what is (laughs) you never
2: want to ask me that question
1: what is the benchmark against which we measure the raptors the rest of the way like i don't I know that they'll keep talking about for at least another 10 or 12 games that they want to get in the playoff mix and make some noise and stuff. And I, I do think, you know, playoff rotation with their top, with the five guys that they start, you know, could be solid. But, like, they're not they're not beating Philly or Brooklyn. And they're, they're probably not beating Milwaukee. And they're, you know, maybe they... I mean, they're just not going to get a Charlotte or New York or Atlanta. like Like, Philly and Brooklyn are the clear one too. So if you win a play and you're getting one of them or maybe Milwaukee and you're just not doing anything with that. So I, uh, yeah. What are we, what are we looking for these last 25 games?
2: Uh, I'm going to get into this more in a, in an article probably next week, but I, I think you want to track individual growth and, uh, as much as anything, Uh, you want to see Pascal Siakam like actually string and before last night against Detroit, he was, you know, looking pretty good ever since the Nick nurse altercation or whatever you want to call it. Um, So you want to see, you want to see your main guys take either steps forward or stabilize their play. Uh, I mean, I think Fred Van Vliet's play, well, I mean, there will be continuing questions about his shot selection and, and where he can, you know, where he's efficient and where he's not. I, I think just the you know, the plus minus numbers bear it out and, you know, just the total minutes numbers bear it out, how hard the guy is playing and, and how much of a difference he is making. Like he he's not there yet, but he is becoming like a Kyle Lowry difference maker. Uh he's approaching that status, I should say, uh right in front of her eyes, I think. Uh, it just happens to be for a much Worst team right <laughs> now. Um, but you want to see, you know, we, we've seen a bit of OG developing an in-between game. He pulled up, uh, you know, in front of Mason Plumlee last night to hit the free throw line jumper. Uh, and you want to see him continue to flash flash that and just flash more on on drives. His defense has been awesome lately. Uh, I, I'm speaking more of when he's been able to uh, go out on the wings and 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 defend as opposed to, like, banking against a center, would, which he's done an admirable job of. Uh, but, you know, his his defense at the end of the Phoenix games and I thought the Portland games were both just tremendous. Um, and then beyond that, you're looking for Gary Trent to sort of find his niche within, uh, within what the Raptors do, and you saw a bit more of that uh, against Detroit. And you'd like to you know, them to pull some wins out so they can, so the team as a whole cannot go, go into what's going to be a longer off season than they're all used to between the last two years, uh, feeling like garbage. Um, I, one of my big pieces of advice for fans right now is just to not look at the standings either way. Don't look at the reverse standings. Don't look at the actual standings. Um, it well, can don't only tell that, uh, it could only stress you out, I, I think. Um, I think you really have to get micro on this. You have to zero in. And some of it does coalesce into the bigger picture. I mean, it all coalesces into the bigger picture. And and if some of the things you want to see happen, happen on a regular basis, they're going to win. And you don't want to be in a position where you're rooting against your team. I, I've covered seasons like that. Trust me, they're not fun. Um and that is probably where this season is going, I would have to imagine. But I think mostly you're rooting for the guys you know are going to be around for a while. And the results are definitely second. To me, they seem secondary right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? If you look at who is who is potentially going to be a part of this team when it's not a dumb stupid wasted year uh, and those are that's that's kind of where you want to focus things so um. yeah
2: I, I just want to add like I do think there's danger in just chalking it up to the COVID and Tampa of it all um, and I think that will be important for the Raptors front office to do like I don't think you can just you know wipe away the season as this happened because of this well yeah I mean
1: that's not who we are but right because it's uh, two things right it's like the season has had all those complicating factors, and yeah. that's made it hard to win with only five good players. But if you, you had more five than five good, good, good players, players. Yeah. you you might have been able to withstand it a little more. Maybe you don't. Maybe you still get wiped out. But the fact that like, even when healthy, this team has had long stretches of poor play yeah. is not great.
2: Yeah, at this point, the good stretch of play is the aberration, not the right. bad stretches of play. Uh, So it will be on the Raptors to try and uh, accurately factor in every, and this is a a once-in-a-lifetime season, we hope, Uh, so it's going to be hard, but they've got to look very closely at all the factors and not just, say, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi are, you know, great players who have contributed to championship teams before, I mean, I guess not in Ananobi's case, but... You know, lots of reason to think he's very good. Um, I, I, I'm not saying lose faith in those guys, but you have to take a serious long look at the framework of, of what you've built uh, and, and not just say, Tampa, COVID, we're
1: fine. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with that. So, Eric, we have... Uh, I mean, the people have takes. That's not surprising. <laughs> uh, how do you... What do you want to... Do you want to start goofy? Do you want to start serious? Do you want me to just go in order? What do you want me to do here? Um, I got a lot of questions for you over these next 20 minutes.
2: Okay, let's uh, let's start serious and get dumb as we go along. I think sure. that's maybe the best way to retain listeners. Sure. Um, <laughs> maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Maybe they need a, a light break right now. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay, the first one comes from Luca11. And this is kind of... It, it follows the kind of what you were just talking about, but it's more of a, instead of a what should we expect, do you think the Raptors still can make a push to move up the standings? I think it's possible. Um,
2: how many more back-to-backs do they have? Because that guarantees X number of losses, apparently. I mean,
1: look, they had fewer <laughs> in the second half than any other team, I think, so. Yeah. Um, uh, we got to stop using that as a... Yeah, as a-
2: uh I mean, they've lost to some bad teams. They tend to compete better against good teams, but still lose. Uh, I think it's possible just because there are uninspiring teams ahead of them, but they have at least seven really tough games left, and I'm sure more in the middle range uh, after that. So possible. Uh, like I, I think getting into the top six is probably not going to—I mean— I, I would bet money against that happening. Uh, into the play-in tournament, certainly possible. Although, you know, I think it's more likely they they go down than they go up.
1: All right. And then uh, this follows from a couple bots. What would you prefer? Would you prefer things to click and they win and get into the play-in play and make the first round and we have some positive stuff to write about before uh, we go on forced vacation? Or would you rather they continue to lose and up the lottery odds and, and you know, go future-oriented or whatever?
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, as I just talked about for a while, it's more complicated than that. I think ultimately, like, good individual performances in losses is probably ideal, um, but that's not one of the options. So I guess, uh, I guess all things being equal a higher pick is probably better at this stage.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think so. Um, ASP asks about some draft prospects. Uh, I think I'm just going to pocket that one. Like, this is, depending on who you ask, I think it's a, a top two, a three to six, and then, like, an interesting seven to 15 that you can order a lot of different ways. So are
2: you, are you now saying the Raptors will get seventh pick? Because that's what it sounds like to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, this, <laughs> are they going to get Terrence Ross again? Probably. Is uh, is that the future of Keon Johnson? Probably. Uh, no, there are some guys in that range that I like. Like, if they got the tough thing, I think is after number six. I think what you're looking at is guys who could really make a difference in time, but need some like they're going to require some patience and maybe some G League time. And I know that fans, even with all the success that the G League program has had, you know, around the league. Fans still don't love, seem to love the idea of, you know, the number seven pick going to the G League instead of contributing right away. Uh, But that's the reality of the draft and and rookies is that not everyone is Luka Doncic or, or, you know, Cade Cunningham, like some guys like Kai Jones or, you know, Moses Moody, like some of those guys are going to need uh, a little bit of time. So, The Raptors, by the
2: way, do have the seventh worst record in the league right now.
1: They sure do. Um <laughs> all right, uh, this it's one perfect. comes from Justin Fisher. Might require a bit of a lengthy answer, but Eric, what's your favorite thing about Blake? Oh, um <laughs> Yeah, I did see that question.
2: uh I mean, professionally, it's his work ethic uh he's an encyclopedia uh, and and the amount of stuff he, knows uh, offhand or can figure out very quickly is staggering. Um, but I think my favorite thing about Blake is just what a sincere uh, person he is and and what a um, fundamentally decent human he is. Aww.
1: Thanks, man. Uh, okay. This one, this is interesting. Again, this is draft stuff, so maybe we can save these kind of questions... Um, bigger, but so I'll rephrase this. This comes from um, a fake Nick Nurse burner account, but it's a it's a real question. If you luck into the top pick and get Cade Cunningham, do you then find even more value in keeping Lowry as a sort of mentor rather than signing trading him to to maybe make the team better? No. Okay. I don't
2: think so. I think you have Fred VanVleet. Like I. I... I I wouldn't be against keeping Lowry in that scenario, but I'm just, I I don't think he suddenly becomes way more important to what you're trying to do.
1: Uh, Okay. There are a couple questions. So apologies to not saying the specific person, because a bunch of you asked the same kind of thing. And it's basically, was there a failure of the front office to not add a center at the deadline? Or was that intentional once they decided they weren't, going in, um, and then some frustration over the buyout center market. Uh, I'm just going to start with the buyout center market. First of all, the buyout market has generally tended to be pretty overrated and overstated. Um, But also, like, the Raptors are a million games under 500, playing every game on the road. Uh, If you, like, there's just, yeah, you can offer playing time, but what buyout guy is signing with a team near the bottom of the table? Like, it just i don't think it reflects anything other than that the raptors have been bad this year um it was only two years ago that marcus all waived a big trade kicker to come to toronto and as much as it didn't turn out jeremy lynn was the top bio guy on that year's bio market um and people were excited about it it's not that big a deal like i don't think it reflects a lot other than that the type of guy who's getting bought out doesn't want to go to a losing situation so um but, Eric, the, the failure to address the center position, is it a failure? Is, you know, we were we both thought Baines was a fine plan C. Is, is them not doing anything at the trade deadline, just kind of waving the white flag on that? Um, maybe a little bit. I, I mean, I think the real failure happened
2: probably a few weeks before the trade deadline, uh, when you maybe could have got somebody for a more reasonable price, uh, it's clear that Bane. It's been clear for a while that Baines isn't the answer. Uh, and if you were trying to give, you know, I, I think the most interesting or one of the more interesting quotes Masai gave was talking about how he thought this group deserved a real chance to try and compete together. That's like before the Norm trade, and now they're going in, you know, a slightly different direction. Uh, well, if you're trying to give that group a chance, it was sort of beholden. On you to—I don't think that's the right use of beholden, but uh, you needed to make adjust, adjustments when it's clear something wasn't working, and, and obviously it takes two teams to make a trade. But uh, yeah, definitely a failure uh, at the by the trade deadline. I mean, I don't really know where their heads were at, um, but you know, I don't think they quite rightly—they didn't want to give up a future asset to. Help a a roster that they just made worse by trading the one player who can get to the rim and score efficiently once there. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I you know we just talked about the value of second round picks and, and having your all for your first round picks and uh, so yeah, that's pretty much where I stand on that.
1: Yep, that is a uh, that is fair. That is, uh, that's fair. Um, overall, ahead, I think,
2: like overall, I think they obviously screwed up. I, I yeah. think, you know, they were wrong, but I'm not at at the deadline, like deadline week. I'm not that mad that they yeah. didn't trade for somebody.
1: Um, looking forward a little bit, Kate asks, uh, do you go after Holmes or Jared Allen as an offseason target? Uh, I think everyone knows how I feel about Rashawn Holmes at this point. Um, friend of the podcast, Brian Schroeder, uh, referred to Kai Jones as what if Rashawn Holmes could dribble. And that's kind of why I'm in on him as a, as a mid-lottery uh, pick. But yeah, Holmes would be great. Um, Sacramento, by acquiring DeLon Wright, made their own cap situation like a little bit more complicated to where maybe you can poach Holmes if you're willing to go over the mid-level for him. Uh, Jared Allen, I think, is like like Cleveland I don't think he's datable. Yeah. Yeah, like by all accounts Cleveland acquired him with the intention of him being their long-term center. So, um they gave up picks, they ate salary to get him. I'd imagine that gets taken care of pretty quickly. Uh John Collins would be uh, the other interesting RFA big, whether or not you consider him a center. He has uh he's gotten pretty good And pretty cool. Uh, Eric, you mentioned the loss of Norman Powell changing the dynamic in terms of the Raptors' ability to get to the rim and get into the paint. You also mentioned uh, Fred VanVleet's growth kind of impacting games this year. And until the last couple weeks uh, as a pick-and-roll playmaker as well. Uh, We got a couple questions about Fred's... You know, one person framed it as an allergy to passing, which I don't think (laughs) is uh, is fair at all. But but there seems to be some sense that Fred isn't being held accountable. Um, He has not had the best shooting stretch since returning. Um, He's shooting 37.7 percent overall and 34 percent on over 10 threes a game in the eight games since coming back from his health and safety related absence. Uh, Also averaging only four and a half assists in that span, including uh, four of the last five games with three assists or fewer. Um, The offensive ecosystem without Norman Powell to pressure the rim and without, I mean, just capable bench offensive weapons other than I guess Rodney Hood, um, and Chris Boucher has been struggling of late too, how much of this do you put on Van Vliet? And how much of this is a guy trying to make something happen in an offensive environment where, you know, maybe if he's passing to someone there there's aren't like I don't wanna I don't wanna waive all accountability yeah. for, for Van Vliet because he hasn't been, you know, as sharp as he was earlier in the year. But uh yeah, I mean, are you putting a lot of blame on Van Vliet for, for the shaky offense of, of late, or is that more a symptom of you know, every I, like I, you the know, five, five guys on the floor.
2: I think the factor the fact that you needed to put like eight caveats in, in there, um, sort of is the answer to the question. Uh yeah, he deserves some of the blame and and overall there has not been enough ball movement and next action playmaking, I think. Um that's not all on Van Vliet, certainly. That's on you know, not having high-end talent who can both, you know, who can shoot, pass, and and dribble all of them. You need those things uh, to play that way. Um, Yeah, so I I have a tough time blaming the guy who's playing 41 minutes a night after having COVID. Um, Saying that, like... There are roster construction. It's it's the like the roster construction. is a ideal deal right now. I don't know what what people want. I don't think like Siakam's been like way better with his decision making either. Uh, and he did have some nice passes over the last few games for sure. Uh, Van Vliet is always going to be a bit limited um, with his size uh, in terms of seeing the floor once he gets in there. Kyle Lowry obviously figured out how to do that uh, throughout his career, and it's a next step uh, that Van Vliet has to take, and and you get that through more reps as the lead guy, and, and hopefully it is, you know, a, a, an area of growth for Van Vliet in the future, but I'm definitely putting it more on what's going on around him than what's, you know, than the DNA of the player.
1: There. Um... A couple more draft ones, just quick hitters that I, I want to address because they're going to come up a lot. Omer asks, uh, should the Raptors be thinking about drafting best talent or best fit to complement the core roster? I will always, always, always say best talent. Um, rosters change quickly. Rookies don't make an impact out of the gate. We all thought Delon Wright at number twenty was going to be a rotation guy out of the out of the gate since he was a senior and everything. Then they went and signed Corey Joseph. Always, always take the the best talent and worry about fit later i feel like that a lot in general about roster construction um but especially in the draft where you're looking at a multi-year window where a lot can change really quickly um mark Amen. knows where, mark knows where they also ask which lottery simulator have you been using the most uh while i appreciate tankathon as a site and a project i will never ever understand uh lottery simulation because it's just like it's a lottery it, it's just probability. <laughs> like, I, I, I know 0.14, like 0. 0.14 of the time, this is going to be the oh, Anyway, uh, we don't need to get into that. Um, so, uh, where do we go from here? All right. I'm just. to I'm trying to, I'm trying to balance negativity and actual questions and stuff. Okay, Kyle Lowry stays. Asks. Uh, what's the projection for Gary Trent's contract and, and role moving forward? Um, obviously, it's a little early and some of that depends on uh, how he looks down the stretch here. But do you did you get the impression from Masai, Eric, that Gary Trent is now someone we can list as part of the core along with OG Fred and Pascal? I obviously
2: think Gary Trent is one of the most interesting players to watch for the rest of the season for all of these reasons like you want to see how he fits with your guys uh, and because as of now he's more of a secondary piece than a part of you know what's going to drive how you play uh, you want to see how he performs in that role saying that like I think Masai Kyle Lowry trade notwithstanding has a long history of Retaining restricted free agents or locking them up before they get to restricted free agency. So I would expect him to be around, you know, in the intermediate uh, term for sure. Uh, and it just—I don't think there are a lot of teams that are going to have cap room, cap room. Some of them are not very good, but I'm not, you know, I'm without having done a deep dive into those teams. I don't think any team is coming to like blow the doors down with a gary trent offer uh, i think the most he could have been offered by portland before the year was like the pro-rated norm contract which was like four and 53 or something like that uh not pro-rated but you know yes uh, the adjusted the inflation the adjusted cap. yes uh so if it ends up being a bit higher than that i wouldn't be surprised but i wouldn't expect it to go much higher than that where, yeah i'd be surprised if he
1: gets more than 15 a year yeah, unless he just like has another Gary Trent bubble performance down the stretch here.
2: Uh, it is. It would be interesting if he just accepted the qualifying offer, but we always say that, and guys very rarely do that. So.
1: Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, so, uh. Here. Uh, this one's from Brian. If a Canadian city was not an option, what U.S. city would you have picked instead of Tampa to host the Raptors this season? Uh, San Diego. Ooh, that's a good. Uh...
2: I mean, the, it would have been terrible for me personally because unless they were playing afternoon games. But uh, yeah, San Diego. I mean, Seattle, we could
1: have just we could have just shipped you out there.
2: Uh, at least moved me to Vancouver so I could be on the same time zone. Um, I wouldn't yeah. do that to you. I wouldn't send
1: you to that to that garbage
2: place. Garbage. <laughs> yeah. I, I. I mean, San Diego is just. I've been there a few times. It's just a great place to hang out and be outside uh, even during the pandemic i imagine
1: um, yeah that's uh, not bad my my answer uh, carol iowa that's <laughs> uh, did you just did you just get the alert on your phone for the meeting that we have coming up is that what that noise Sh- was that was 10 minutes all right well, uh, we should wrap this up one more question from jessica jade is there any chance at all a lot of caps in this tweet that the Raptors will actually get a serviceable center this season. Um, I'm going to say no, but they do have two open roster spots. And we got a couple questions about what the plans, you know, B through Z are. Uh, certainly doesn't sound like Kelly O'Linick is getting bought out in Houston. I don't think, I don't know what names. I can't names believe,
2: my... I can't believe Tillman, uh, I can't Tita Fertitta, Fertitta. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't want to save money somehow.
1: Yeah, but uh, Kelly's good, and he's a good vet mentor, and yeah. having his rights in the summer is helpful. Uh, so, I will say no, but, I mean, there's Dante Hall they could take another look at, who didn't really get a fair shake. Um, Nick Nurse spoke highly of Henry Ellenson. Uh, the Nets should let Alizé Johnson come back to Toronto. Uh, Freddie Gillespie is, like, kind of a six nine center type that was really good in the G League and stood out. Um, If you're looking for, I got asked about a quad A type specifically the other day, and like Jordan Bell, who hasn't been good in the NBA, was really good in the the G League bubble. So uh, a few guys like that, you could kind of kick the tires on, but I don't think there's anyone that uh, Raptors fans are going to get super, super Yeah, I believe the
2: question was serviceable. uh, The word serviceable was mentioned, and I would just say helping your team lose might not, I think we can call that a service at this stage.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right, Eric, we are at the end of the podcast. Uh, the pity party mailbag is <laughs> thanks, over. Thanks, per. Yeah. Uh, the pity party <laughs> mailbag is over. Uh, I think we're not going to talk to the people until Wednesday next week because the Raptors have a Monday, Tuesday back to back, which is, uh, a first, uh, looking ahead. They play at Oklahoma city on Wednesday. Then they get the warriors, the wizards and the Lakers, uh, Eric, are you gonna go LLLL to play it safe here? I should
2: probably start doing that. Uh, although I was very close to I mean, I wasn't very close because they got killed last night, but I had a perfect week going until then. Uh, I'm gonna go win, loss, loss, win. Uh, the Lakers are barely a team right now, and I none of neither LeBron nor Anthony Davis will be playing in that game. Uh and as you mentioned, Oklahoma City doesn't have a lot of players. Uh, are are the Lakers on the back to back?
1: Yes, the uh, for the Raptors. I don't know if the Lakers. Play yeah, yeah. The okay, probably. never mind. Win, loss, loss, loss. All right. Optimism, baby. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, as negative as the tone is right now, we got to like five of the like forty questions that we had. So obviously, there is still a lot to talk about and I digest and figure out with this team. Uh, which is why I would urge you to go to TheAthletic.com slash six or click on any of mine and Eric's articles. Uh, If you are not yet a subscriber, you can get a subscription for $1 a month. There's Look, there's going to be a lot. There's a lot to sort through right now. There's a lot to sort through with Masai and the future of the franchise and Kyle Lowry and the draft ahead and Gary Trent Jr.'s free agency. I think we'll be able to continue doing good work and contextualizing all that stuff and having our voice squeak at the end of the podcast and um maybe some fun feature work around all that stuff too so uh please stick with us please keep listening please keep reading um it's been a while since things were this dour around the raptors but we'll you know we'll help you through it
2: just right. look forward to game one in toronto in front of some fans it's gonna be a scene
1: Uh, All right, Eric, thank you so much, man.
2: Thanks, Blake.
0: See ya!